Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. It is Wednesday. It is February 7th. I hope everybody's having a good one. We woke up to a sad day yesterday. I did. February 6th, I woke up first thing in the morning. I saw where legendary country music star Toby Keith had passed away after a long battle with cancer. Cancer sucks. I don't have to tell you. And I know that there's, there's those of you out there who would say, Okay, so a big celebrity got cancer and he died. That doesn't matter. Well, I, you know, I, you don't want to diminish anybody who has battled cancer or who has tragically lost their lives uh, far too soon, far too early, long before you would think it's time for someone to go. Um, it's sad, but when you consider somebody like a Toby Keith who made such a huge impact not only on an industry that many people love, but also on so many lives. And I live in a certain sphere professionally where I have been able to get to know some people who the world would look at and say, these are famous people, these are celebrities. And a lot of times you think these people don't have problems or they're untouchable or money or fame makes it all go away. Simply not true. These are human beings. And tragedy and life and death and loss, it affects all of us. It doesn't matter. So I'm sitting here in honor of Toby. Those of you who know, uh, if you come to my house, you open up one of my kitchen cabinets, you'll find an entire cabinet stocked with red Solo cups. That's not because of Toby. It's just it's a whole other story, but I like to drink out of red Solo cups. Uh, it is my preferred receptacle, and I poured myself a little bourbon. So Toby, God bless you. Here's to you. A little little Woodford Reserve there out of a red Solo cup. You know, even Toby would have said, Toby did say that uh, his album that contained red Solo cup, he thought it was a silly song, but who cares? It was fun. And Toby was fun. Toby's a, Toby was a good guy. And there's a lot that a lot of people don't know about a guy like Toby Keith. He was an icon and he left a legacy for all of us. You know, that is our dream. It's our hope, our goal in having a vision for life. I hope that every single one of you have an idea of what you're going to leave behind. It's so important that we live in light of that, you know, because this world's going to go on long after we're gone, and I pray that we leave a legacy. He left a legacy, and it was more than just music and songs. It was so much more than that, so much larger than life. You know, people think of Toby Keith, they immediately think of his patriotism, although his politics were very nuanced, and people think that he was some big, you know, conservative Republican MAGA Trump supporter. It simply wasn't true. Uh, at the time of 9-11, when he came out with American Soldier and Red, White, you know, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, he was actually a registered Democrat. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, and people say, well, he performed at Trump's, you know, inauguration. And he, he performed at a lot of different presidents' uh, events. And so you can't really pin that on somebody reason I point that out is because you don't, you, we, we're so busy judging a book by its cover, right? We tend to think of the, the controversy, the debacle that happened between Toby Keith and particularly Natalie Maines of the Dixie Chick when they went to Europe and they complained about George W. Bush and there was some pushback and there was a lot of controversy that was there between those two. And you tend to define people by their differences and they want to put a political label on them, and it's oftentimes unfair, and there's so many nuances to it that there's things behind the scenes people don't even understand. So careful how you interpret a certain life. You know, Toby, the thing that inspired me the most about Toby, and I, I've been in touch with a number of his very, very close friends 
uh, in the last 24 hours. I sent messages to them, people that had written songs with him, people that were in business with him, people that knew him on a personal level, and told them that I was thinking about them because I know how close they were in proximity and relationship and business and just personal lives, you know, just that shared life together. Told them that I was thinking about them. And, um, you know, Toby inspired me in that here was a guy who was a chart-topping, songwriting hit maker. And he went into his record label, and his record label said, we're not going to release a certain song. I think it was the um, How Do You Like Me Now song. They said, we're, we don't want to do that. And he said, we're going to do it. And some other things happened. He went out and started his own record label, uh, Big Dog, and which went on to become Big Dog Universal. And a lot of the stuff I'm pulling from memory, so I may be off on some details here, but I know that, that it, he became the biggest, most successful country music star that Nashville was producing at the time. At the time, you know, a lot of people would say, well, who do you think is making the most money in Nashville? Is it George Strait? Is it Tim McGraw? Is it, is it Kenny Chesney? And yes, they were making a lot, but Toby was outpacing them by far because he took the risk of creating his own thing as an entrepreneur, as an executive. He created his own record label. He kind of took the bull by the horns and did his own thing. And when I heard those stories back in the early 2000s, it inspired me to do my own thing in so many ways. And that's why a lot of times in my own life that I have taken the risk when others have said, take the safer route, go with what you know. Um, and it forces me to do something that I want to encourage all of you to do. And that is bet on yourself, bet on yourself, because you're the only person who can determine who you are, where you're going in life, and what you're going to leave behind. Nobody else cares about that. Nobody else is going to worry about your legacy. Only you can do that. So take the bull by the horns and be the master of your own destiny. You know, let God order your steps. I remember praying as a 20-year-old man and saying, God, I'm a poor chooser. I'm a really poor chooser. So I'm going to let you make the choices for me. And um, every time I've tried to take the reins, I've made the bad mistakes, and I've regretted it with the consequences but I do believe that when you continually pick yourself back up and keep moving forward in spite of what the so-called experts are telling you, what the record labels are telling you, what the executives are telling you, what the masters are telling you, masters of industry, masters of, of commerce, masters of internet, and, and you know all of these things that we deal with these days, bet on yourself. So this is a little bit of a different to the point. I, I did want to get to the point, talk about Toby and uh, I, I cried yesterday. Uh, heart is heavy. And so our condolences and may he rest in peace. God bless. You know, we're, we're living in a crazy world and sometimes we forget to just step back and realize that life is brief. Life is important and we only have one of them to live. So don't get too caught up in the crazy, insane stuff of the world around you right now. And I, I wanted to talk about so many different headlines I wanted to get to today, but I just wanted to check on you and say, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're okay. And I, my heart, my heart is uh, for all of our listeners, for those who consistently come on here and support this show, whether it's the audio or the video or the people who get in the live chats, the people who send me messages, the people who come out to live shows the people who buy my book, you know, or, or read the things that I put on the internet or watch our videos, thank you, thank you, because you've given my life a larger meaning 
it keeps me accountable to so many different things, and I'm thankful for you. And I want to remind you that you matter. And while you may feel like you don't matter to so many around you, trust me, you do matter to me. And I pray for you for what that's worth. And uh, I want to say thank you. You know, we're dealing with this border bill. And this border bill, I'm going to change gears here a little bit from sadness to y'all to be pissed off a little bit because this is the ultimate psyop flip that I've ever seen. You know, the, the left has this weird way of taking a nuanced situation and turning it around. You can call it gaslighting. I don't even know if that's a thing, really. But this, this way of taking a story and flipping it and just saying, no, that's, that's not the way it is. It's an alternate reality. For instance, whenever those of us who believe that life begins at conception and we believe in the sanctity of human life, we believe in protecting the unborn, they flip that and say, well, you don't care about women. Well, we actually do. I mean, the, the reason we care about that, a large portion of that, is because we do care about women. We care about the consequences of what abortion brings. We care about the guilt that it brings. We care about the uh, the, the bad conscious consciousness that that you know the conscience, I should say, the negative impacts that it has, the loss. Forget the fact that probably fifty percent of abortions are women. Uh, female babies, unborn babies. I, I think that well, that's a pretty important thing to us. But the way you flip that and say, well, you just don't care about women. You don't care about women's health care. You don't care about women's rights. Oh, this kind of stuff. And you hear all that being spouted off. That that ability to flip it and change the topic so that it sounds like you who believe in a good thing, the sanctity of human life, you're really doing something evil. Well, this border thing is no different. The border, I, this is one of the worst flips that I've ever seen. The fact that people want to say, you guys don't want to pass this border bill that's before legislation right now. You don't want to pass this border bill because you want to wait for Trump to get in there and Trump's going to fix it. And you're going to keep allowing this crisis to continue at the southern border with illegals coming across. You're going to continue to let this crisis go through because you're playing partisan politics and you're trying to get Trump elected. You want this administration to look as bad as it can and you're willing to let this crisis continue. How dare you, Republicans, you conservatives, you won't rise up when the bill that can fix this is right there in front of you. You evil people. Well, <laughs> what do we make of this? What do we make of this? Well, it's weird to me that we have been told over and over again that there was no crisis at the southern border. The only crisis was supposedly kids in cages or kids that were being separated from their families. And again, that was all that was all Donald Trump's fault, but we knew that it was not. We knew the cages were built by the Obama administration. We knew that the kids being separated, you know, that was a legal formality because we knew how many kids had been kidnapped and were being trafficked to the southern border by the cartels, and this was a protective measure. And so now they want to flip this thing and say, this is a Republican problem. The Republicans want this crisis to go on. Well, as I said the other day, it's interesting that now they admit that indeed there's a crisis. And I mean, they're doubling down on it. This is, this is a major crisis. This is a major crisis. I don't understand for the last couple of years why they have consistently said there is no crisis, but now they flipped it and said there is one, and it's the Republicans' fault. They don't want to do anything about it. Well, let's consider this border bill for a second. First of all, what they're after, and I've stated this already, is they're after mass amnesty. They want to just carte blanche across the board, just be able to say, everybody that's here, you can now be legal. It takes away the problem of trying to round people up, having to deport people, have to deal with, you know, the three million people that are on the court dockets right now with a follow-up court date in order to discuss their asylum, discuss the legality of their being here. 
We don't know if they're going to come back. Most likely, they're not going to. Percentage-wise, they're not. And so let's just, let's just say you're here, and okay, let's start over. Whew, boy, that's a, that's a dangerous thing to do. It's a dangerous thing to do. And then this bill goes on so far as to say that they're willing to let 5,000 illegals cross the border every day. They say, well, that's a reduced number. We're going to just let 5,000. Now, as we get into the, the details of this bill, it's as many as 8,500 a day. So whereas we were already over 1.8 million illegals crossing our border seeking amnesty annually, now we're at 8,500 a day. So now it's getting exponentially larger at how many people they're willing to go, let go across. This, to me, does not solve the border crisis. This puts a stamp of approval on the border crisis. And basically, it does a rush job of saying people are no longer allowed to cross at illegal entry points. <laughs> now they have to come to ports of entry. Well, you know, that's been the law all along. I don't know if you guys realize that or not, but it's been the law all along. You have to come to the port of entry. Do you think that just because someone in Washington, D.C. signs off on a border bill that suddenly people coming from Argentina and Venezuela, coming from Brazil, coming from Haiti, coming from the Middle East, Chinese nationals, do you think suddenly they're going to say, God, they passed a bill in Washington, D.C., now we got to go to the port of entry. We can't just come across anywhere we want to. The lunacy of believing like that is stupid. And yet there's people who think they're going to obey that law. They're not going to obey that law. Just because you pass legislation doesn't mean the people coming to the border are simply going to change direction and go where you're telling them to go. That's not the way this works. And I'm not okay. I'm not okay with a rush job of, of setting them in front of a, of a judge or in a courtroom who is going to do a quick background search on this person and say, okay, this person's okay to come in. Give them an ankle monitor, and we'll track them. They show back up for court in a couple of years. <clears throat> well, that, for so many obvious reasons, is not going to work either. It's just not going to work. The ankle monitor thing, <laughs> you get into the interior of the country, you cut that off, you're gone. I mean, these guys that beat up the cops in New York, they're already headed to California. Nobody knows where they are. They're gone. They're into the wind. They're into the wind. They're gone. How many more are we allowing to have free access into the interior of our country with no real true ability to track them, but you're going to give them permission immediately on the spot? That, that, there are so many different details that go into the humanitarian crisis of individuals and families coming to the southern border. You're telling me you're going to get to the bottom of their story. You're going to find out what's happening, where they came from, why they're fleeing their country of origin, who brought them here, why they're here, what they're going to be doing. That's not going to happen. When you let bureaucracy deal with this type of crisis, they simply do not have solutions. They say, well, it's going to be quicker if we can figure out who they are, why they're here, and we'll be able to process them faster. Well, here's what you do. You just say no. You just say no. Listen, we have a crisis here. You can't come across our border. We're in the middle of an emergency. And we have millions of people who are in this country. We don't know where they are. And it's time they get rounded up. They got to get deported because they're not supposed to be here. They're not supposed to be here. So right now, 
we're closed. We're closed for business right now. People coming across the southern border, carte blanche, the way that they've been coming. And I'm not okay with 5,000 to 8,500 coming across the border every day with a fast process system and saying, okay, we're just going to add 2 million more to the population of the United States of America every single year. That's not a solution, folks. Oh, and don't even get me started on the fact that they're wanting to send $60 billion more dollars to Ukraine and only spend $20 billion on our southern border. Now, Donald Trump had a plan to build a wall. You can say what you want to say, but if the, the border wall, we were talking between 6 and $8 billion to complete a border wall. It's astounding to me that now they want to spend $20 billion on the southern border, but yet they're going to do three times that amount, sending it over to Vladimir Zelensky in Ukraine. That's not a border bill I can be okay with. That's not one that I can get behind on a, on a personal level. Why is the Ukrainian border more important than America's southern border? Well, if we don't secure the U Ukrainian border against Russia, one day our sons and daughters are going to have to put boots on the ground and they're going to sacrifice their lives for Ukraine. They're going to sacrifice it right here in the United States of America if we don't get this together because they're here. The invasion is happening. They're here. You've heard me say many, many times, one of my mottos in life, the issue is never the issue. Folks, whenever you see politicians and bureaucrats trying to tell you what the issue is, the issue is not the issue. And this is a Republican and a Democrat problem. Don't get me wrong. This is, this, is a, this is a uniparty problem. This is a big government problem. Traditionally, conservatives have wanted for illegals to be in here because it's cheap labor, and Democrats have wanted them to be here because ultimately it equals votes. You can't have that. It is a drain on any type of social system we have, particularly welfare. You can't have an open border and a welfare system. You can't do it. The country is collapsing. Collapsing. I told you the other day, and this is it's an amazing statistic, that right there in Eagle Pass, where they were seeing uh, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 illegals coming across encounters every single day, now down to 200. Now it's non-existent. You go down there, the news crews are going down there. There's no one crossing at Eagle Pass. Yes, they're going to other places, particularly they're going to Arizona and California. But a little bit of deterrent actually worked. It's almost like we were right all along. Razor wire is not a wall. Human resources, law enforcement, who's down there saying, we're not letting you come across right here. That's not a wall. It's a human wall. It's a human shield. It's a human deterrent. But it sends the message, you're not welcome to come across here. Now, if they're going to go somewhere else and cross, what do you think will happen if there is a border bill passed by, by Washington, D.C. on the federal level? They're not going to obey that either. They're just going to go somewhere else. They're going to figure out a way to come across because people figure out a way to get where they want to get. Now, I've said for a lot of years... But if my family were in a difficult situation, living in a you know a third world country somewhere, and there was there was want, there was need, I would do everything I could to try to get my family to America. And when there's propaganda being sent out on the part of an administration that says it's time for you to come here, and trust me, that's happening, then all the more reason why you're going to think you can come here and actually be welcome. It, this is a human tragedy. How many lives are lost? How many people, children, women are raped? Lives are sacrificed. Billions of dollars earned earned in treachery by the cartels with no thought, no consideration for human life. And then 
those online, the, the, the re-re's out there, the progressives are going to try to flip the script, gaslight you and say, this is a Republican problem. This is a humanitarian problem. This is a crisis at our southern border. This is an invasion at our southern border. They know they can weaken us. Whenever they are now, and they came out, what was it, 60 Minutes just the other day, came out, came out with a story as to how the Chinese Communist Party actually has TikTok videos that have instructions on how Chinese nationals can get across the southern border. Insanity. It's out there. It's happening. It's out there and it's happening. And then Eric Adams, forget the fact, Eric Adams, of course, the mayor of New York, forget the fact that you're displacing homeless people, veterans, and, and individuals who are supposed to be in New York, have a legal right to be in New York, kicking them out of hotels, kicking them out of shelters, kicking them out of public spaces to make room for illegals. You're going to push so far as to, as to insinuate that residences should give up an extra bedroom to an illegal or their family. And then the audacity. With everything else that's going on, you're going to, you're going to push for $53 million in prepaid debit cards to hand out to illegals. Somebody just the other day said... That's not happening. They're not giving prepaid debit cards to illegals. <laughs> well, apparently they are, my friend. That's exactly what's going on. So, folks, we're in a tragic situation. Lives are literally in the balance. The America that you've known, the America that you've loved, the America that you've cared for is in danger of falling. I am not trying to scare you. I'm just simply telling you that Washington, D.C., the bureaucrats there, the politicians, permanent Washington does not have your best interest at heart. And the fact that they're making a political game out of this in a campaign season tells you all you need to know. And the idea that Democrats who want to flip this on you and blame you and say you don't care about this crisis because you're using it to get Donald Trump elected is asinine. They don't have a leadership they can rally around, not one that they're aware of. They, they think it's Joe Biden. Joe Biden, who, of course, was asked about Donald Trump wanting to debate him. He says, well, if I was Donald Trump, I'd want to debate me too. This guy is a moron, an absolute buffoon. I, he doesn't know what planet he's on at this stage in the game. It's sad to watch on so many levels, from the elder abuse to the fact that this man is the leader of the free world. That's the guy they installed, a guy who was so much of an abject idiot that he would do whatever they tell him to do, from the teleprompter to the note cards to who's going to ask the next question in the media pool. They told him everything. He literally gets in front of people and says, well, they told me not to talk about this. I'm going to get in trouble if I say this. That's the president of the United States who says, well, if I was him, I'd want to debate me too. Yeah, you literally just admitted that you're a moron. Incredible. So here we are, folks. I'm going to let you hold on to that. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you feast on that information. And I'm going to go back to uh, sipping on this whiskey in this red Solo cup. It's bourbon, I should say. Hang on, I'm going to take a sip. It's pretty good stuff. Woodford Reserve. Guys, go to watchchad.com. It's where all the fun stuff is. Catch me out on the road. I will be at Dosido in Spring, Texas on February 16th and then February 17th, Rockbox Theater. There in Fredericksburg, Texas. 
I'd love for you to get tickets at watchchad.com. And then on the 24th of February, I'm going to be in Coleman, Texas, RL Venue. It's a cool little place. Little town in West Texas is very beautiful, south of Abilene. Come check us out. Fun, fun place. And then I'm going to have Cooper Wade with me for that. And then Oklahoma. That's right. We're heading up to Cushing, Oklahoma on March the 2nd. Port O'Connor, Texas. Possum Kingdom, Texas. Oh, so many things. Waco, Texas. Granbury, Texas. <sighs> I love Texas. I'm going to hang out in it for a little while. And then we're working on uh, getting further down the road later on this year. Hey, drop me a line uh, at uh, chad at the, at the com, and then head over to thechadprathershow.com. Drop your email address so we can stay in touch. Please leave us a rating and review. You're already on a podcast platform. Just scroll on down past the episodes where you can see a spot where you can leave a review. Give us a five-star rating. That's what we deserve. And uh, leave a review. It helps us in the rankings, and we sure appreciate that. Thanks to our production staff and all the folks who work real hard to bring you the Chad Prather Show. We're having a blast doing it. We're still ironing out some kinks, but we're working on it, man. More and more content coming your way. And when I said earlier that I love you and, I thank you and I'm thankful for you and I'm praying for you, that's the truth every single day. Thank you for giving me an amazing life. And God bless Toby Keith. May his legacy live on forever. Know that I love you. God bless you. And we'll see you later.